holidays, everybody. We have loved recording this year, and we want to thank you for taking the time to listen to us. Honestly, I didn't even know if we'd be still sitting here. We totally didn't expect it, and we definitely were not planning to extend this into 2022. But thank you, because we're excited. We are excited. We've got some really good topics coming yeah, up for 2022. Yeah. We're talking about magnesium. And we're talking about why you crave carbs in the cold weather and winter. We're talking about, we're looking at doing a series on ADD. Yes. Um, and we're going to touch on thyroid health and all kinds of others that y'all have requested. Yeah, a lot that people have asked for will be coming in 2022. Yeah. So as always, send us your ideas or your thoughts and what might make a good episode or just what you're wanting to know yeah. via Instagram. We also have some other super cool things brewing for 2022. Yes. So we are going to start releasing some podcast shorts. Yeah, like just some quick, super like less shorts. than 10-minute ones. Yeah. And some of those are what we're calling or what we're kind of, you know, labeling rant therapy. Exactly. Where we just kind of rant on a topic that we feel like a lot of y'all can relate to. Exactly. Because sometimes it's just good to talk some, and get I it mean, out. I mean, you just got to get it out. Yep. We also are going to incorporate a video element so you can see the Hot Mess Express <laughs> over here or the very pulled together one. I'm going to leave it to you to guess who you think is Hot Mess Express and who you think has it pulled together. And that's about it. <laughs> to wrap up this year, well, we do have one more episode for y'all next week that I'm really excited about. We are essentially looking at why 2021 was such a dumpster fire. And actually, there's some reasons, and we're going to tell you what to do to keep 2022 not being a dumpster fire, becoming right. a dumpster fire. Right. Yes. We, we would like to ask that you do something for us. If you aren't currently subscribed, please go to Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast and subscribe. Please leave us a review on Apple Podcast. Those are huge. That's like when you leave us a review, it like it gets, it, you know, it works with the algorithm to kind of get us pushed up into more people's, you know, uh, like feeds. I never so, realized how important it was. It is. It's really and important. And then share this with your friends and family that you see over the holidays that you think might like it. Yeah. Just even if you shared it with one person, we would be so grateful. Happy holidays. Bye. Hi, y'all. I'm Carolyn. And I'm Priorly. And we're the hosts of the Happy Eating Podcast. On today's episode, we're talking all about the gut and how it could potentially be affecting how you feel and think. So today's topic is kind of a big one. Mm -hmm. We are talking all about your gut and how it could potentially be affecting both how you feel and think. Yes, the impact that it could have on your mental health. And this is a heavy one, but we're going to keep it super light. So I'm going to tell you what we're going to give you today. We're going to give you just enough science, just a little, just as much as you need to know to really get the connection between the gut and and the brain because there is a definite connection there's a lot we don't know but there's a connection and so that you can really understand how different foods may affect that as well as things like stress and lifestyle factors may affect that and then affect your mood 
So we're going to give you just enough there. And then we are going to talk a little bit about serotonin because 90% of the serotonin in your body is actually made in the gut. Did you know that? I didn't until you told me. And I think it's so fascinating. And just a reminder, like serotonin is that feel-good chemical that's in our body, the one that... A lot makes of, us happy. Yeah, a lot of several of your antidepressants try to increase the level of serotonin. That's how they kind of work right. in your body to make you happier. Oh, so. For which I'm very thankful. <laughs> yes. I really like my antidepressant, actually. <laughs> so then we're going to talk about probiotics or what you need to do to get a healthy gut. And we're going to talk about probiotics, including over-the-counter probiotics that you might buy and kind of what we know, what we don't know, how you might buy them or if we recommend them. And then we're going to tell you what we do. Yes, that's always my favorite part. What do we actually do now that we've told you all of this information? And hold on, there's this other thing that I think is really important to cover. When we say gut, okay, we are not talking about what is hanging over your pants, okay? Or like in the Pilates class that I went to this past weekend where it was like all of this ab work, you know, and I thought, oh, yes, I'm really strengthening my gut. Okay, but those were my abdominal muscles. Here, we are talking about the trillions of microbes that live in your GI tract. Can you elaborate a little bit more? What is this microbiome you hear? What, and what does it even mean to have a quote-unquote healthy gut? All along that track, there are these healthy bugs. They're, the, they're these good Good bacteria. F- good yeah, bacteria. Microbes. Right, exactly. And there are trillions in our body. And and just so to be clear, like it's actually not just in our GI tract. Like they're also, you know, on our skin, right? But obviously, let's just we're really just focusing on on the, the GI yeah. part. Okay. So there are millions of them, or trillions rather. I think a neat way that I read about them is to explain them like they're these little factory workers and they're keeping all of our body's operations like running smoothly. And so they don't just play a role in our digestion mm-hmm. and like keeping us regular, which I mean, come on, who doesn't want to stay regular? <laughs> but they are kind of like they're they're pulling the levers yeah. of so many functions in our body. But also, I mean, let's stay focused on the topic here, our brains. Yeah. And it seems so foreign to think that your gut could impact your brain. But that's a great point. I read something the other day where it described your gut microbes almost as like the puppeteer. Yes. Carolyn, tell me, when you have a healthy gut, what's that mean? For people who don't know, I teach Nutrition 101. So I've gotten really good, or I don't know if I can say good, but um, I'm used to breaking stuff down like this. So what I tell my students is a healthy gut isn't really talking about the number of bacteria that you have. A healthy gut means you have an ample supply of those good bacteria in your gut that you need. When you've got a healthy gut, you have that ample, diverse supply These bacteria create somewhat of like a protective lining in your intestines. And this protective lining allows digested nutrients like your carbs and your protein and your vitamins to cross that intestinal wall and go into the body. So your body can use it, which is a good thing. That protective wall also, though, prevents a lot of those outside chemicals and compounds um, that have entered through the food that you've eaten or the water that you've Um, that you've consumed um, from crossing that intestinal wall. They prevent those compounds from getting across and getting in the body so that they go on out of your body. So when you've got a not-so-healthy gut, 
This means that lining isn't as effective and it develops holes or gaps that allow those nutrients to get through still, but also some of those compounds. And a lot of times, this is what you would hear referred to as, quote unquote, leaky gut. Mm-hmm. Okay. So literally, it is literally. Yeah. Leaking. You, you, ha- you have, yeah, um, you, ha- you have holes in that protective lining. And the problem with this is once these compounds get in the body, they act as irritants to trigger low-grade inflammation, chronic inflammation, which is basically at the root for not necessarily causing all chronic diseases, but certainly pushing along all chronic diseases. And this includes a lot of your mental health issues like depression and anxiety. I've, I've described inflammation before as like a little fire. Yeah, kind of starts, and then as you have like more irritants enter that in your bo- enter your body, that fire kind of grows, and the inflammation spreads and causes more problems. Yes, exactly. And then hopefully you never get to the stage where it's a bonfire. <laughs> Very true. Okay, so the other reason. So the first reason you want to keep that junk out so you can have a um, you can avoid having a leaky gut. The second reason a healthy gut is so important for mood is that those little microbes, they're acting as puppeteers, really and truly. They are communicating with the brain, and that seems so crazy to me that the gut and the brain communicate. Yes. There's this thing called the gut-brain access. Yes. (laughs) But they are in constant communication, and these little microbes may be dictating a whole lot of what's going on in our body. We we don't know the full extent. There's a lot we don't know. These little microbes are directing so much of what goes on in our body. We are slowly learning more and more, but they are controlling what compounds are made. They are dictating what neurotransmitters are made or not made. They're influencing hormone secretions. They're controlling a lot of stuff. And, you know, I mentioned earlier, 90% of serotonin is made in the gut. I honestly, I didn't really know any of your serotonin was made in the gut until a few months ago. So this was kind of shocking to me. But it, um, because that much is made in your gut, it shows you how, um, or it shows the potential for, you know, when your gut bacteria get out of kilter, when they get off, when you have dysbiosis. Is that how it's called? Dysbiosis? I don't know. I, okay. <laughs> I, I'd have to Google that, actually. Okay. Well, I'm going to call it dysbiosis with my southern accent. And Just that add is, some southern to it. It'll be fine. Yeah. That is when your gut bacteria get out of whack, either in the you've got a lot missing in there from a numbers perspective or from a diversity perspective. You don't have the composition and makeup that you should. Right. Dysbiosis. (laughs) Right. Dysbiosis. And so then things get out of whack. And that the problem with that is then all those gut bacteria can't can't tell the brain to make these hormones or neurotransmitters or do uh, send the right messages to the brain. Right. And that's the big issue there. So with 90% of the serotonin made in the gut, you got dysbiosis, you can see how that could potentially impact serotonin. And and, and, and serotonin is that feel-good chemical, yes. the one that makes us happy, the one that we take antidepressants for to help Increase levels. Make yeah. more, right? A lot of their antidepressants <clears throat> actually incre- try to work to increase those levels, yeah, in your body of serotonin. Yes. So the idea of doing something that impacts your gut in a negative way 
which then could potentially lower serotonin. And then you layer in the fact that we're already talking about, you know, potential conditions like depression, where you really want to capitalize on your serotonin. I mean, this is a cluster. Yeah, it's a big mess. The connection in research between the gut and the brain is so overwhelming that I had to just accept that it's there. Yes. But at the same time, there is so much we don't know. And again, we don't know what we don't know because this is a growing area. Um, So we know there's some kind of connection, but at the same time, we don't really know exactly how that connection is or what it is or how we could change it. There are like little nuggets of information Mm -hmm. here, right, of like how we could hopefully shift it in the right direction. And, And then, you know, there are some studies published and maybe they're in animals or maybe they're in people or maybe they're in Petri dishes. And then there's something else that comes out that says, ooh. Maybe we don't have enough information. But here's the thing is we know that what you eat and what you don't eat and even how you live your life can impact your gut health. Yes. And we know that your gut health can impact your physical health. Yes. Including your mental health, right? Mm, Or your physical Mm -hmm. and mental health. So that's like that's like let's we – if we're crossing a river, right, we Mm -hmm. step from the bank – to the stepping stone, and then we can step from the stepping stone back to the other bank. Where we're having a problem is ma- in, in the scientific world is like making that connect is, is literally building the bridge from one bank to the next bank. Okay. And when, when I say that, I mean like we're having trouble saying if you eat or do this, it will definitely have this effect on your gut, which will then have this effect on your mood. Yes, right? we cannot, there is, yeah, I feel like we are in the middle of the river in some rapids. Yeah. Because we have got a lot of powerful information, but we cannot say, eat this or take this bacteria and it will definitely improve this. Okay, so w- w- when we talk about our gut health, right, I mean, I feel like a lot of people know, but let's just go back and, and make sure we, we're super clear because I'm not sure we've covered it yet. Like, <clears throat> probiotics, right? Those like good bacteria that you can get through food or you can get through a supplement. Like Mm -hmm. those are good for your gut health, right? Like that's what we've been told. That's what we've read. And then, you know, you and I break it down and we're like, okay, there are studies that suggest that probiotics, you know, they can, they can promote, you know, a good gut microbiome. We know that much. Where, where, again, going back to like where the science gets a little tricky is, so there was, you know, there's one study that um, that I read. Hold on. I'm shuffling through my papers, so I'm going to pause. You had a 2018 study and a 2019 study. Exactly. Is that right? And they were both looking at anxiety and probiotics? Yes. They both looked at anxiety and probiotics. And they both were review studies. For example, all right, they looked at 21 different studies. And within those 21 studies, there were 14 studies that actually looked at probiotics and reducing anxiety. And when you say probiotics, do you mean like over-the-counter or are we talking about probiotics in a variety of forms, like through food as well? So in this particular review study, they were looking at probiotics as a supplement. Okay. Okay. Like that was – those were the studies that they pulled together. What they found is in – a third of those studies, probiotics were effective in reducing anxiety symptoms. Wow. 
So that's really promising. Yeah. Right? Kind of makes me want to go buy some. It makes you want to go buy some. Now, uh-oh. Let's go back, okay, <laughs> to 2018. So one year before. In this particular one, they looked at 12 studies, and what they found in and these these were studies only looked at people who took probiotics and anxiety. Okay. So the previous study looked at some other things. 2018 study of studies found that there was no significant difference between folks who took probiotics and folks who didn't and their anxiety. Oh, bummer. Right. And so they said their conclusion, probiotics... And from a, that you mean that from a supplement standpoint. From a supplement yeah. standpoint. And are not necessarily effective when it comes to quelling anxiety, right? So, but they also then said part of it is that the data is just insufficient. Like there isn't enough. We need more, right. right? And now fast forward to the 2019 study, which looks promising, but let's remember what I had said is only one third of the studies that that study looked at showed that taking probiotics was effective. So that means two-thirds of the studies that they looked at showed no effectiveness of probiotics. But it does not appear that there is harm or much there is significant yes. harm in taking them. Yes. We just we just don't know how much benefit you'll get. Basically, we don't know how to manipulate the bacteria to use them therapeutically to improve things, really in all, in all aspects of health. Right. But mental health as well, I think is what you're saying. Yes. Yes. When it comes to probiotics and mental health, we really don't know. And I know I use the example of anxiety, but I mean, they're really... Okay. Mental wellness mental is one wellness. big group. Yeah. We don't know how probiotics could potentially help. Right. We don't know what so, strain. We don't know what quantity, you know... There's Bas a lot of unknowns. Basically, sadly. in theory, improving your gut health should improve your mental health or ease symptoms. Yes. But we don't know because we don't know how to use them yet. Now, you want to drill down and you want to take a whole lot of vitamin C or a whole lot of vitamin E or a whole lot of vitamin D, which you could equate to taking a whole lot of a single strain of probiotics in your body. We know that that could be harmful. We yes. also know that in some instances it could be helpful. But the point is, is that we actually know more information about those individual vitamins and minerals now, and we don't know that yet about probiotics. So if people do want to take an over-the-counter probiotic, there are some things they should know. One is they need to, research suggests that they need to get a multi-strain type of probiotic because honestly you don't know what your gut is lacking or what's out of balance and really from what I have read the only way to really know that is to take a biopsy of your gut lining and I'm not signing no. up for that I'm uh -uh. just gonna throw that out there yeah yeah I'm way into this topic but I don't know about that part yeah that's really the only way to know truly like what you might be high in or low in or what's out of whack so your best bet is to take a multi-strain probiotic just like a multivitamin mm -hmm, mm -hmm. exactly exactly so hopefully one of those strains in there hits the jackpot on what you need exactly insurance policy yes yes but you know and honestly you know it may not have what you need in there but that doesn't do any harm but it's kind of i can't tell someone yes 
adamantly, you need to go buy a probiotic supplement and take it to improve their overall health or, you know, or mental health. Well, and then there's also the advice that I love most is that if you are uncomfortable or unsure of taking taking it in a pill, work on getting it through your diet. And I want to be clear here that when I say that, I'm not talking about like specific prescriptions. Okay. Like, I mean, you need to take your prescriptions. What I mean is like, for me, if I'm talking to somebody and they're like, well, should I be taking a fiber supplement or should I be eating my fiber? And I'm like, well, Mm. eat your fiber. I'm not saying you shouldn't take a fiber supplement, but you know, if you're not so sure, eat your fiber. So in this case, you could also eat your probiotics. Yes. So I think we both come from the standpoint, we kind of take, we look at it from a two-pronged approach when it comes to nutrition. And next week, we're going to talk a lot more about specific foods. So we're going to get into this a little more, specific foods in general for mental health. But we'll be getting more into the probiotics as well as prebiotics. But kind of a two-pronged approach. We see it as first taking care of what you've got. Mm-hmm. And then maybe considering adding stuff in through a supplement. So, but I feel like the first one is what people so overlook. It's so true. Yeah, you I gotta, mean, I do too. Yeah, you got it. I mean, you got some good bacteria in there. Feed them, take care of them, help them grow and thrive. You got to take care of that. So I feel like that's what gets missed. And that's really where people need to start. Yes, it's like... You, you need to nurture what you already have before you try and add to it. Yeah, kind of like you need to get your kids straight before you have any more kids. <laughs> <laughs> Solid parenting advice <laughs> over here. But I'm going to veer out of parenting advice because I'm not feeling um, very... We're not experts. I'm not that. feeling like I'm one to be do- doling out parenting advice this week. This week. (laughs) It might change next week. But yes, so take care of what you have first before you add to it. And then once you've started to take care of that, yeah, sure. Okay, yes, maybe we can dabble in a little if you want. So, how do you take care of what you've got? That was what I was just going to ask you. Oh. Well, I think think there's, there's two ways. One, you've got to feed what you have, but then also you've got to change your diet or or make some changes so that you don't kill off what you've got as well. Because mm-hmm. there's a lot of foods, um, particularly that in your um, or a lot of compounds or aspects in food, um, particularly in your processed foods that the ba- our bacteria don't like. Right, like your trans fats and your added sugars and your artificial sweeteners your processed red meats Mm -hmm. those Mm -hmm. kind of uh, of items i mean really they're okay so we bring it back to when you need to take care of what you've got it's really about what you should be eating more of and what you should be eating less of and it's and and i think that's because we you and I both take the like everything in moderation kind of approach. Mm-hmm. And we're not alone in that. There are plenty of other health professionals that that dole out that advice. But nevertheless, that's very much at our core, right? Mm-hmm. And so so it's not saying don't eat those things. No. It's just saying that 
when it comes to your gut health, you're going to be better off limiting the artificial sweeteners, yes. the refined grains, the processed foods, the processed, you know, meats. Got to keep your kids happy, which does not mean you don't give them a lollipop some of the time. I love that. That's great. But at the same time, I also load them up with broccoli. I know. Exactly. <laughs> and Let, some yogurt. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, let's have some blackberries with that breakfast uh-huh. cereal, you know, um, and make sure that there's some milk and don't just eat it dry so that we can get some more nutrients in there. So taking care of what you got, it's we're going to limit those foods that our gut bacteria does not like that are a lot of them cause irritation, cause inflammation, and that disrupts the gut bacteria. And on the other side, we are going to feed and nourish them with prebiotics and probiotics. And when I say probiotics, I'm not talking about the supplement over the counter kind. I'm talking about food based ones. Right. And so that is the yogurts. Yes. And the the fermented foods. Mm -hmm. The sauerkrauts. The Um, refrigerated sauerkraut. Yeah. Thank you. Not the canned. The kimchi. Mm-hmm. So eating those food-based probiotics that have, and essentially that they have live bacteria in them through the fermentation process or through yes. however they are made. But then you've got your prebiotics. And again, y'all, we are going to go much more in depth. Next week, we're talking about foods that could impact your mental health. And we'll be going even more in depth than specific foods. But your prebiotics, do you want to talk about what prebiotics are? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So they're those fibers in our foods that are indigestible to us, right? And so Mm -hmm. instead, what happens is they go down into our GI tract and the gut, the microbes in our gut actually eat those indigestible fibers and then turn them into compounds that are good for us. Yes. If you ever hear something like about short chain fatty acids, those are good. Those are what they what they make. And they are really, really good for you. Very good for you. But okay, so I, I like jumped right to all of the awesome effects. But I didn't talk about where you get these indigestible fibers. Okay, this is not rocket science. This is the same stuff that people have heard that dietitians that you and I have been talking about for years. We are back to fruits and vegetables, and whole grains, and plant-based proteins, because that is where you get those yes. indigestible fibers. And, and that doesn't mean also, you have to go vegetarian. We're no. just saying we none of us are getting as much fiber as we need Correct. from our diet, natural fiber from fruits and vegetables and whole grains and beans and that kind of thing. And that's what our good bacteria live off of. So you're anything, essentially anything with fiber, but particularly a lot of your fruits and vegetables. Okay, hold on. This might be a little TMI, but I do think that it is really important that we talk about it. Uh You've listened to this podcast. You are now inspired, right, to fuel the microbes in your GI tract. And so you run out there and you're adding the probiotic-rich foods and you're eating the fiber. Okay, go slow, folks. (laughs) Go slow. (laughs) Because there are some repercussions of going too fast. You gotta figure it out. Well, your body has to have a chance to adjust. And especially because you just said most of us don't even eat the amount of fiber that it's recommended that we get. So now basically if you're going to go like all in, I mean, you might be pouring gasoline on so the fire. So what I recommend pe- pe- people to do is kind of um, is use something like my fitness pal or something to track your food for intake for two to three days just to get an average ballpark 
Um, it's not the mo- it's not totally accurate, but you can get an average ballpark of how, what your usual fiber intake is, and then maybe work on going up five grams. You know, add five grams to that for several days, and maybe increase a little bit more. Also, increase your water, but go slow. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yep. To say the least. You sound like you speak from experience. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I may have had some experiences with folks in my life who I've tried to help them increase the ah. fiber in their lives. I'm like a really big advocate for fiber. Like I, I think fiber is like the cream of the crop when it comes to nutrition. Like that, it, that is, I am crazy about fiber. And, you know, I've had some, I've, I've done it wrong with a few okay. close people in my life. <laughs> Are y'all still friends? Well, one is my brother. <laughs> So, yes, I mean, friends as much as family can be friends. It's always fun to test stuff out on family members. Yeah, yeah. And the other one. What do you do? Let's talk about how we've talked about a lot of science and we've talked about we got to take care of what we got Mm -hmm. by making changes to our diet, decreasing some things, adding some things. And then we've talked about the other facet to that after that is maybe adding some new ones through a probiotic supplement, but we can't guarantee that's going to do anything. It probably won't do any harm, but we can't guarantee it'll be do anything. So let's break that down even more. I want to know exactly what you do. <laughs> okay. Well, I feel like I already previewed two things. One is I'm a huge kombucha lover, like lover of kombucha. Definitely like big bottle in my fridge every week. I'm also a big proponent of fiber. Um, I get a lot of my fiber through fruits and vegetables and plant-based proteins um, and grains. I will say that I do love whole grains, but I, I've read research um, and I've talked to experts about how even if you eat um, more of the refined grains that like you can still get fiber that way. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm a like I'm a lover of like a nice piece of sourdough bread, uh, right? Yeah, you know. And we eat a lot of cereal in our house too. So anyway, fiber, kombucha, plant based proteins. Uh, we do some we do some tofu in my house. Good for y'all. Um, and then so that's what I I do um, with my kids. I have one child who loves tofu, another who's so-so on it. Then, interestingly, the child who's so-so on tofu loves kombucha, and the one who's way into tofu is, you know, she'll drink kombucha, but she'll only have, like, maybe two ounces, where the other one will drink, like, an eight-ounce glass. I'm just impressed. Now, I will say, I'm I'm sure somebody's going to come and and tell me how I shouldn't be giving my kids kombucha because there can be alcohol in it, which I mean. Oh, my gosh. It's such a very small percentage. And I understand that. And I respect that perspective. And it's not like, I I mean, I do not let them drink the big old bottle that I'm drinking. But nevertheless, so there's that. Because of the fermentation process used to make kombucha, a, a byproduct is a very small amount of alcohol in it. But it is very, very small. Yes. 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 And then perhaps one that also might be a little unconventional that we haven't talked about and is not diet related is with my children. When they're outside playing Mm -hmm. or whether it's with the dogs or in the dirt or, you know, swinging on the tree swing or whatever, and we come in and eat dinner or lunch on the weekends, I don't make them wash their hands. 
Oh. Now, when they come home from school, this is pre-COVID. Yeah, they're yeah. washing. Like their they're hands. playing in the dirt. Yeah, I'm kind of with. I kind of with you. Like being in public and coming home and wash your hands. Yes, definitely. Yes. Especially now that we're in the COVID era. Yes. But I'm with you. If that, I've always felt like that. Like if they're in the backyard playing, especially with dirt. Yeah. Like you kind of want that because there is a theory. I think it's referred to as the hygiene theory that part of our gut issues has to do with all of our cleaning and sanitizing. Yes, our obsession, which currently right now, I, I let's say like our obsession pre-COVID. But, yeah. I, I don't even want to go into the COVID times because no, that's, that's a whole other ballgame. Yeah. But yeah. I am pre-COVID. Yes. Yeah. Like our, you know, our, our obsessiveness with cleanliness, mm-hmm. you know. And so it might be a little unconventional, but it is, you know, it, it's just something that I've kind of tried to practice with my kids because I figure it's a good way to to get a little, you know, extra bugs in there. Yeah. Okay. How about you? What do you okay. do? Well, I cannot say that my kids eat tofu like you. <laughs> there are so many things, though, that I have to say my children don't eat. <laughs> you know, like they will not touch a chicken breast with a 10-foot pole. Really? Will not. So when I talk about, like, cutting back on processed meats and red meats and stuff, because that's good for your gut, like, that's not happening in my house. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You make me feel better. Yeah. All right. Okay. But they will eat the tofu. Still. Anyway. All right. Go ahead. I interrupted you. So we – I am really banking on the yogurt and the fiber and the fruits and vegetables and whole grains coming through for us. Yeah. <laughs> that is where we are getting our bulk. We are big yogurt eaters, big fruit and vegetable eaters. Well, they're big fruit eaters. I, I push the vegetables too, and then and then whole grains um, and beans and that type of thing. So, I'm big on the kind of the natural approach. We do take a probiotic supplement. Um, it's a multi-strain one. It's one I order offline and I keep it refrigerated. And it was recommended to me by a doctor who's a specialist, a pediatrician specialist, who, and she said this is a good one to try. So these bacteria, these that we are referring to as probiotics, the good bacteria, they're alive. And in order for them to be effective, you've got to keep them alive. Yes. Yeah. That is why yogurt, one of the reasons why yogurt is refrigerated. A lot of your higher quality probiotic supplements have to be refrigerated to keep these bacteria alive. And it's a multi-strain one. Um, But honestly, I'm going to be quite honest. I go back and forth. Like, I am not as diligent with everybody taking it like I am with some of the other supplements that we take, like the omega-3 and the vitamin D. I'm not as diligent because half the time I'm like, what is it even doing anything? But then I'm yeah. like, well, why not take it? You know, I, you have to fight, you know, pick your battles. So, yeah. So, you know, about 50 percent of the time we take it every day. And so is it a liquid? No, it's a pill. It's a capsule. It's a capsule mm-hmm. that you keep refrigerated. Mm-hmm. Do you need a prescription to get it or can you buy it? I know you said you got it online, but do you need a prescription to get it or can you buy no. it just over the counter? You can buy online? it over the, li- um, over the line. You can <laughs> buy it online. Um, I haven't seen it in any stores, but then again, I live in Alabama, so we don't have the biggest supply, but I, I buy it online and anybody can get it. Okay. But I yeah, I'm hesitant. I know people are going to ask me, and we'll post this of what it is. But I can't guarantee that it does anything or that it'll benefit you, you know? Right. So, but this is what I take 50% of the time. 
I have never been a big supplement person until about two years ago. And we had some health issues in my family that really motivated me to start taking certain ones. And I really saw a significant difference. And when I say motivated me to start taking some ones, that also includes my children. So they went from maybe taking one or two a day to like a whole handful of things. Not that we take that many things, but some of them you got to have two of or something. And so we always do it after dinner um, just because I'm in that routine. And but you have to watch them. They think I am a crazy health nut passing out these supplements now. And you have to, <laughs> I literally have to watch them swallow these things to ensure if, and you know, sometimes you just get distracted. I'm usually putting up dinner, trying to watch them take it. And I get distracted. So when I was, when we were moving last year, the kids were gone. I was, you know, doing one last, or I was, the movers were there. And I found just pills and capsules under everything <laughs> under every pillow under every cushion in every in the back of every drawer i just started i got a ziploc and i put them all in there and i took them to my kids i was like look what i found i know what you're doing <laughs> see and i'm the type of parent who i would look at it and be like do you know how much money is in this bag that you just threw on the ground under the sofa well i did cross my mind to make make them take them <laughs> But then I thought, I mean, they would have gotten a little <laughs> extra bacteria, right? But okay, but this is why we pick our battles, right? And so sometimes the probiotic one is not the tree that you bark up because you're not yeah. feeling as strong in the science behind that as you are some of the others. And already that's right. a battle. Uh, yes. Yeah. Exactly. Good point. So I think our takeaway would be we both definitely feel like your gut health impacts your brain health. And that includes mental health, mental wellness. Mental wellness. Use the wrong term. And I think we both are agreeing that the best, most proactive way to improve your gut health is through food choices. Yes. Minimizing those that your gut bacteria don't like and increasing those, particularly those fiber-rich ones and those ones with bacteria in them, those natural probiotic foods. Exactly. Yeah. Maybe consider a probiotic supplement after that. But again, we just, we don't know enough. We definitely don't know enough. It will continue to evolve. But it is something that is helpful. There isn't much, if anything, that says don't do it. It's worth incorporating into your regimen. I would love to hear if listeners would tell us what they do in terms of probiotics. And if they have found a good supplement, I'd love to hear what it is and why they like that particular one. Absolutely. If they've seen any kind of benefit. I cannot say I've seen benefit for mine, but then what kind of benefit am I looking for? I don't know. I'm just trying to keep my little kiddos inside my gut happy. Right, exactly. We can't see I never knew they were unhappy. And how unhappy were they on the scale of unhappiness? Uh, Right, and we were talking about severe or... Exactly. Yeah. Maybe they need to do the depression scores. Yeah. I would love to hear from listeners as to whether or not they are taking a probiotic supplement or are they eating probiotic-rich foods and in either direction, what are they doing? And if they have a supplement that they recommend, we want that too. Yes. And just a reminder, next week we are getting all into specific foods and nutrients. So we're going to go even more in depth into what to eat and what to minimize. So that is next week. We're talking about the foods and nutrients that 
have a definite effect on mental health or appear to have a definite effect. Right. And that's the semi-spoiler part is that there's some more conclusive research there. So we can we can give some legit advice. So semi-spoiler, come back, listen next week. Thank you so much for joining us for the Happy Eating Podcast. I'm Briarly Horton. And I'm Carolyn Williams. If you liked this week's episode, then don't forget to rate and leave us a review on iTunes. And be sure to hit the subscribe button so you'll never miss a new episode. Follow me on Instagram at Briarly Horton. That's B-R-I-E-R-L-E-Y-H-O-R-T-O-N. And you can follow me at Real Food, Real Life underscore R-D. We'll have that information down below in the show notes. So don't forget to follow us. See you next week. Bye. Bye. The contents discussed in the Happy Eating Podcast, such as advice, studies, text, graphics, images, and other material discussed or presented on the site or podcast are for informational purposes only. Content is not intended to be a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your mental health professional or other qualified health providers with any questions you may have regarding your condition. Never disregard professional advice or delay in seeking it because of something you have heard on the Happy Eating Podcast. If you are in crisis or think you may have an emergency, call your doctor or 911 immediately. If you're having suicidal thoughts, call 1-800-273-TALK, that's 8255, to talk to a skilled, trained counselor at the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. If you are located outside the United States, call your local emergency line immediately.